Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. The works of God in conjunction with the Word of God reveal the truth of God. Misalignment with that truth that is being revealed leads to disillusionment and floundering in our faith. On the other hand, go ahead and change it now, personal knowledge of God's revelation, when we know it and rightly have discerned it and understand it, personal knowledge of God's revelation allows us to know Him as He is, not as we want Him to be. John was confused. He was confused because the way he thought things would play out was not exactly how they were playing out. But Jesus assures him, I've got this. I've got this. God's plan is unfolding exactly as it was intended to unfold. Don't get yourself upset. Don't worry. It's, it's exactly on target. Well, we come to verses 24 through 28 of Luke 7. And we find that John's disciples have left. And when they left... Jesus takes the opportunity to address the crowd that was there, that saw all this and heard all this. He, he wanted to address the crowd about John. And he asks them the same question three times. Reminds me of Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? Because that's where John was. That's where his ministry took place. And people flocked out there to the, to the wilderness to, to see and to experience and to receive. And Jesus says, what, what did you go out there to see? Some of these people probably were baptized by John, the baptism of repentance. And as he asks them the question three times, he comes to the place where he's reminding them of John's importance. Because you see, people... We're a funny lot. And it's highly probable, is it not, that with John now in prison, that the thought would be, well, he's there because of some sin he's committed. He's there because he wasn't right. This is God's judgment upon him. So Jesus wants to dispel that. That's not the case here. He reminds them of John's importance. Number one, the first answer was, he is no wishy-washy ear tickler. When you went out to see him, you, went, you, you heard the truth, and that's what he gave you. Secondly, he was not a materialist. He was not out there uh, doing what he was doing to gain money so he could live a lavish lifestyle. Oh, no, 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 no. John did not live a lavish lifestyle under any circumstances. That's not what he was. That's not what you saw. Oh, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Jesus said, yes, you saw one, but you saw more than a prophet. Not just a prophet, you saw more than a prophet. Jesus goes on to say, he is the one written about by the prophet Isaiah. He is the messenger, the singular messenger that God sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. In effect, Jesus is saying to the people, you can have confidence that the Messianic age has dawned because the Messiah's messenger has proclaimed his arrival and he, I, am standing before you. 
Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you have liked to have been there in that crowd? Wouldn't you have, would have liked to see Jesus restore sight to a blind person? Someone whose leg or hand was just completely mangled up and of no use whatsoever, and to see that thing just come back to the way it's supposed to be, and to see them walk or to see their arm or hand work? Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to see someone who was deaf, couldn't hear a thing, all of a sudden could hear the birds and the children playing? Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to see the dead raised to life? That makes me ask, well, would it, be more, would it have been more advantageous for us to have been there personally seeing, personally experiencing would it be more advantageous to do that than to be where we are as part of the body of Christ, part of the kingdom that has been ushered in? Verse 28, Jesus says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That statement answers the question I just asked, but I need to carry you through Hope, I hope that you'll be able to see what I've been able to see here. The part in that statement, verse 28, where Jesus states that John is the greatest person born among, among women, that's not hard to understand. I think we can basically grasp what Jesus is trying to say. But what does he mean when he tells the crowd that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John? Because he's just said that John is the greatest born among women. Well, As John announced the arrival of the Messiah, you need to also understand that he was announcing the arrival of the kingdom of God. Something that was, had been long waited for, hoped for, and prayed for by the Old Testament saints. And in fact, John is at the very tail end of those Old Testament saints who had been praying for it. And John now gets the blessing of being able to be part of seeing it begin. So when we think of John and we think of all those Old Testament saints, we think of those who were part of the promise era. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Then John comes, now it's really coming. John grows up and he becomes an evangelist, he becomes a, a, a preacher of the gospel, and now it's really coming. And then Jesus is walking down the road and John says, hey, there it is. That was all part of the promise era. It's coming. But when Jesus came on the scene, even though the kingdom of God was not in full force, it still came with him because he is the king. And the promise era ends. And the, and the, and the actual era of it begins. And at that point then, those who come to faith in him enter into the kingdom. They're not sitting around waiting for it. And so with that said, I say this, that while John was very great, and Jesus gave testimony that he was very great, he was in the promise era. He was, here it is, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But you and I, we're not saying it's coming. We get to say we're in. Now, I'm still waiting on the fullness of it. I'm still waiting on that millennial kingdom when, when Jesus sets on his throne in, in flesh in Jerusalem and rules and reigns of this earth. That's still coming, but the kingdom itself is already here. It's in us. And we're in it. And in that sense, the least in the kingdom of God has something that John did not have. He died 
apart from that, not that he won't be in, but he wasn't part of that being ushered in. He was part of bringing it to, to pass. Which leads me to this question and the last truth point. We're talking about the kingdom of God. How does one enter the kingdom of God? And truth point number three tells us he comes by repentance and faith. Repentance of sin and faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord gives one right standing with God and citizenship in his eternal kingdom where Jesus is king. I have to then ask, have you entered that kingdom? Is it in you? Are you in it? John the Baptist prepared the way. Jesus accomplished the work. The Holy Spirit of God now is convicting people of sin and convincing them of Jesus as the answer. My question is, have you ever fallen under the conviction of your sin? I mean, I'm not saying you felt bad because you did bad. I mean, have you ever just come to the understanding that you are a hell-bound, undeserving sinner who can do nothing to change that reality? Because that's what it means to become convinced and convicted of your sin. Not just, well, I told a little lie and I stole a little cookie and I sped a little bit the other day. And No, no, we're talking about I come to the grips with the fact of what I am outside of Jesus. I am a sinner condemned. Have you ever come to that place? And in that place, have you come to the awareness that Jesus is God's answer for that problem. That through him, you can be brought out of condemnation. Through him, you can be brought into the very family of God. That through him, you can have the favor and the love and the mercy and the grace of the God who created all things. Have you ever come to realize that? Have you come to realize that it's not about being in the church? Or it's not about being in the right political party? Or it's not about taking the stand with all the so-called right positions in this world. But it is all about opening your heart and receiving Jesus in as your Savior and Lord. Have you ever come to that point? If you have come to that point, then understand this. That the Spirit of God is the one who is drawing you. The Spirit of God is the one opening your eyes. The Spirit of God is the one who is causing your innermost being to understand. And if that is the case, then my, my, my encouragement to you is wait no longer. Come to Jesus. Confess your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus who is the Christ who has completed the work and has made forgiveness, right standing, and eternal life with God available to us. Don't wait. Don't wait any longer. Come. Receive him. I speak to the Christians also. And I ask you, do you suffer with doubts? I guess it's okay for you to shake your head. I can't see it. So I can't, you know. Do you suffer with doubts? Mm -hmm. Understand this, Christian. Doubt is not sin. Unbelief is, but doubt is not sin. Perhaps the doubt exists in you because of unmet expectations. 
Perhaps you had it in your head, this, that, and the other. That's what it's about being a Christian. That's what it's about following Jesus. And it hasn't quite, hasn't quite turned out that way. And so you don't understand. There's no, there's no sin in not understanding. But what do you do if you don't understand? You go to the source and you ask for wisdom. In fact, in James it says that if we lack wisdom... Let us ask of God who will not chide us or put us down for not having it, but will give it to us in abundance. You don't go to Google. You don't go to your friends. You go to Jesus. Ask him to help you understand. Perhaps your doubt is because you just don't have all the pieces. You got part of a truth down, but there's a few others that... You just haven't quite picked up yet. Well, hey, go to the Word. Go to Jesus. Let those pieces be added so that you can understand the truth and not doubt. I close with this, that if you doubt, the right thing to do is what John did. Take it. Say it. Two. You see, you were doubting that you had it right. Now that I've just confirmed that you have it right, say it with me. Take it to Jesus. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.